0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you.
1: Peter and the Power of Prayer. And I think that's really what we're going to focus on this morning. So we're looking at the activities that we follow. This follows on from our talks about the band of brothers, all the disciples of Jesus. We're now looking particularly at Peter because there's a lot about him in, in the New Testament and um, particularly looking at what it, tells, it says about him in the book of Acts. Last week, Sim uh, looked at Peter the healer. And uh, I know that was quite a powerful meeting. We weren't here, but I've heard his talk, and I've heard people talk about it. But there we really got, you know, we were individually praying for people to be healed, and I think there were some some things that happened last week as well. Um, This week, we're looking at Peter, as I said, as a prisoner, but particularly how God intervened powerfully in response to prayer. But this was a different sort of prayer. This was corporate prayer. This was the body praying together for him to be released um, and we see what happened. So should we just, just pray before we start? Father, just pray that you will be in the midst of us this morning, and I just pray as we, as that you would speak through me and uh, through Trevor, Lord, that we'd really get a sense of your heart for prayer, and Lord, how important prayer is in your kingdom, and how you want us to be involved in building your kingdom through prayer, Lord, and that we would really get a sense of excitement and anticipation and expectation about you're going to release through our prayer this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So three times it is recorded in uh, the book of Acts that Peter was imprisoned. Um, First uh, was in Acts 4, um, and there he was imprisoned by the priests, the temple guard, and the Sadducees, who were the Jewish leaders, Uh, and they released him the next day because they were afraid that there was going to be a riot because everybody was, you know, he was a popular person. So, So he released by the people who put him in prison. The second time was in Acts chapter 5, and um, Sim mentioned that a little bit last week. Again, it was the high priests and Sadducees who put him in prison this time, and they were basically jealous of Peter's popularity among the people. And it's, Last week, Sim talked about a passage where people were so, they were so popular that even as Peter walked down the street, they were trying to stand in his shadow so that as his shadow passed over them, they would receive healing. That shows how popular... He was. And just after that, they put him in prison again. Um, and this time, he was miraculously released by an angel. Um, and the angel told them to go out to the temple and preach the gospel again and carry on. So today, we're looking at the third time Peter was put in, put in prison. It's in Acts chapter 12. We have a lot more detail about them, and that is our main passage. In fact, these three prison episodes reminded me of this. If we could have the next thing. I pleaded guilty to the charges brought by this court, and it is now my duty to pass sentence. You are an habitual criminal who accepts arrest as an occupational hazard and presumably accepts imprisonment in the same casual manner. We therefore feel constrained to commit you to the maximum term allowed for these offences. You will go to prison for five years. Now we're showing our age here. Who remembers porridge? Oh, quite a lot of you. It was a classic British comedy that made Ronnie Barker and um, David Jason as well. Um, and uh, it actually aired in 1974 to 1977, though I guess there's been some repeats. Um, now, Peter was not a habitual criminal, but uh, being imprisoned was an occupational hazard, as you can see. And, I, and can anyone spot the spelling mistake? I think there should be one Z in hazard. but uh, <laughs> Could we accept being in prison for preaching the gospel in the same casual manner, you know, that, that it becomes an occupational hazard. So we're going to see how Peter, you know, it just was, it went with the job that he did. Uh, we'll read the passage now. Um, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's quite a long passage, but I'm going to read it and bring some points as we go through. So starting verse one, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the Apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. It's really interesting. This time it wasn't the Jewish leaders that put him in prison. It was King Herod. and uh, He'd obviously heard about Peter's escapes because he put on a quadruple guard, four soldiers, four at a time, uh, on four different watches throughout the night. He was going to make sure Peter didn't escape this time, and he planned to put him on trial and presumably to uh, execute him, because he knew how popular that would be with the Jews. It says, verse 5, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The church knew this was serious. Um, we're told they were earnestly praying earnestly praying, not just praying, earnestly praying. They fairly likely expected him to be executed by Herod as well. The night before, verse 6 now, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. We see in here, it didn't matter how many chains or how many guards that Herod appointed to look after Peter, they could not stop an angel of the Lord. I don't know if anyone uh, has uh, picked up on the new series of Anne of Green Gables called Anne with an E. I'm sorry, I'm ashamed to admit I was watching it yesterday. If you love the old one, this one is a brilliant remake. In the first episode, when she's uh, been let out of the orphanage and is going to meet the family for the first time, she keeps pinching herself because she can't believe it's not a dream. She gives herself a bruise. And I think it was a bit like this for Peter. So we go on to the next slide. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't really believe this was real. He didn't realize it was actually happening. Even Peter, even Peter didn't believe it. Um, They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. Open sesame, see? So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do with me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where the many were gathered for prayer. And we hear that they were, they were praying again. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. Peter finally realized, he finally got hold of it, it was real. And he goes to where he knows the believers will be gathered, and he knocks at the door. When she, verse 14, when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. We get actually one of the funniest comedy moments in the Bible here. Servant girl, there he is. They're all praying for him. He's at the door, and she doesn't bother to let him in. Um, And she's so excited about what she's just realized has happened that she goes to tell the others. Have the next slide, please. The others, this is is their, their faith. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. We now see something sort of even more human. The people who'd been praying earnestly for Peter did not believe her when she told them it was true, that their prayers had been answered, that he was free. Again, they thought it, uh, it was an angel or his angel and rather than the real person. And this reflects actually a belief that they had at that day, that everyone had a personal, if you like, guardian angel who ministered to them. And there is some support for that in Scripture. Certainly that the angels, he sends his angels to guard over us. Whether we all have an individual one, we don't know. But certainly they believed that. Verse 16, meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. I mean, how so like us is that, right? That showed a lack of faith, really. We are praying earnestly for something, but don't have a sufficiently big picture of God to think that He will actually answer the prayer that we're praying. And we're surprised when He does. It's more significant in this case, I think they seem to have forgotten that God had done exactly the same thing for Peter. Before, in Acts chapter 5, he'd been released by an angel. And I guess they thought this time it was different because Herod was got him and he got 16 guards, you know, guarding him. So verse 17, he motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said, and then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. We see here the cruelty of King Herod, and that's why they were very afraid when Peter was put in prison by him. He put 16 soldiers to death because he presumably refused to believe their story that an angel had come and set Peter free. I'm going to read on in the story. It's not on the slides. Because in Acts 12, just the next few verses, we find out that Herod gets his come and shortly afterwards. So in verse 20, it says, Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, so they sent a delegation to make peace with him, because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. The delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's personal assistant, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robe, sat on his throne, and made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation shouting it's the voice of a god not of a man instantly an angel of the lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to god so he was consumed with worms and died <laughs> I guess in verse 23 he discovers angels certainly are real when god causes one of them to strike him down with that illness and finished him off very quickly uh, and verse 24, finally, it says, Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. Oh, that's not the next slide. Can we have um, slides? That's the one, yes. So the question is, how big is our God? Or how big do we think he is? Uh, what do we believe he can, and what do we believe he can't do? And more importantly than that, what do we have faith that he will And what do we have, you know, lack of faith or that he won't do in response to our prayers? We can so easily forget the prayers that God has answered before. The next time a big problem comes our way, a big issue. And we talk about faith and hope and the Bible talks about and often together those two. But it's very interesting to look that faith is actually backwards looking. Because faith is based on what we know God has already done in the past. That's not only what he's done in our own lives, but what it says in his word he has done. And this gives us faith. And when we have the faith based on what we know God has done before, then we can have the hope for the future that he will do the same again or greater things. Um, We are so, I think, and I'm like this, we're so often like the Israelites. You read the story of the Israelites in the wilderness. They had miraculous provision of manna every single day, this miraculous food that appeared on the ground. If you read uh, the story, their clothes never worn out over 40 years. They didn't need new clothes. This was miraculous. Every day they were searing miracles. They were, you know, got through the Red Sea. There was a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. Um, and despite all that going on, every day they were still moaning and complaining about their lot. They were wishing they were back as slaves in Egypt because the food was better. And they were still doubting God every time the next challenge came along. Yes. We've got to believe God, what it says in his word. And here we've got a few things. When we think about how big is our God, is anything impossible for him? Well, here we have some very well-known scriptures. Um, The prophet Jeremiah says, uh, through the prophet Jeremiah, God says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Now, that's a rhetorical question. Nothing is too hard for him. The answer is no, nothing. The angel Gabriel uh, to to Mary in, in Luke says this, for nothing will be impossible with God, nothing. And Jesus, in response to a question from his disciples, saying that's a bit hard, and Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And there's a wonderful point in this story in Acts 12 that despite their apparent lack of belief that their prayers would be answered, God responded miraculously anyway. He responded to their prayers. Now, I know Trevor's going to say a bit more about this, but it was important to note that in verse 5 uh, that Peter was kept in prison, but the, well, what, but the church was earnestly, earnestly praying for them. We'll, Trevor will explain a little bit more about what that means, to earnestly pray. So, Next slide, please. In the first talk on Peter that uh, Sim gave, on Peter the Rock, we heard these powerful words. Um, which Jesus said to the Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus, we have the next slide now, Jesus repeats this uh, later on in Matthew, um, and says this, And he adds some more as well here. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. A grain truly I tell you, and this is the most famous verse, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Jesus has given us, the church to Peter and the church that would come from him and the disciples he was speaking to in that second parish, all, all of them. He has given us the keys of the kingdom. He has given them to us as a body. Um, that means we have the answers. We have the keys, the keys to every issue that we face today. We have the keys to every issue that faces our friends and family today. And I also truly believe the church has the keys to every issue the world faces today. When we pray for something as a body of believers, God is among us by his Holy Spirit and it can accomplish things on earth and in heaven. It is powerful. Even more so when we pray together earnestly with faith and expectancy that our prayers will be answered. It's interesting in the Lord's Prayer, that famous prayer, we are not praying for our will to be done. He says we pray for your will, thy will, God's will to be done. So often we can pray and intercede for a situation from our own understanding and perspective. But we need to get his understanding and perspective on that situation. Then our prayers will be much more effective. We can know it will be answered and they will be answered if we also know from God's Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us that what we're praying is in line with his will. Now I've got, I haven't got massive examples. I haven't prayed for anyone to be released from prison. But there's two Examples of things that have happened in this church, and not so long ago, actually, in the last few years. Now, one or two of them I've shared before, so apologies if you've heard them before. But it was 2013, I think, um, when uh, Judith was in Rwanda with the King's School, and um, her suitcases went missing, it was a, a two-leg flight. I think they stopped in Nairobi or something. And somewhere along the line, well, actually one of her suitcases went missing. But it was, I think, the one with all her clothes in. She just had the one with all the, <laughs> all the, all the things they were going to give to the children. So like, you go with two suitcases when you go on a charity flight. And so she'd rung me, I think, or, or texted me. That's anymore. My suitcase my suitcases missing. And we came to church. And Phil LaShem, who's not, who used to be our worship leader... Talked, um, and I can't remember the title of his talk, but I remember he gave the example from the Matrix. Have you seen that? The blue pill and the red pill, and which one you're going to take? In one, you should just carry on your normal life. In the other one, you see the reality. And he said, "Let's see the reality of the kingdom that we're living in." And I think Maddie shared something that, that spoke to her then or the following week. I can't remember. It really, really struck me as Phil was speaking. I've got to get up and pray for Julie's suitcase. a small thing, but it was a big thing to her. And it could have spoiled the whole trip. So I, at the end of the meeting, I actually got up and I asked, explained the situation, and I got people to pray. And, you know, there was such a sense of oneness. I just, you know, I was quite bold because I thought if they don't turn up, it's going to look really stupid. <laughs> and, um, I, I really felt a sense of expectancy that those, that suitcase would turn up. And uh, I was sort of all afternoon waiting for a get, finally get a text from Judith, it's turned up. Uh, and it was amazing. I saw, I, I, immediately, you know, I think I emailed the church and said, it's amazing, you know, what we pray for, it's happened within a few hours. It was only the next day when I looked at the timing of when Judith had actually uh, sent that text to say it had turned up and worked out the time zone, I realised the point that say, case turned up was actually the point we were praying. It was at, at, almost at the, at the minute. So it was like God knew we were going to pray. He'd already set everything in motion in, in Nairobi and wherever to get that suitcase. And apparently it arrived much earlier than they expected. They thought it was going to come the next day. And, and God knew we were going to pray, but he'd already set everything in motion. So that the time we prayed, there it was in Africa. And that was amazing. And there's another time I remember, um, I don't know, Evelyn and Peter, not Peter, sorry, Stephen. I know someone called Peter. Uh, their do- uh, Steve's daughter was desperately ill in Africa again with malaria. And uh, she really was a life-in-death situation. She was seriously, seriously ill. And we got together one morning. I think it was about 10 or 15 of us, maybe not that much, 10 of us in, a, in uh, Gwen and Allen's house to pray very specifically. I think Steve was out there with her, and, and she really was on death's door. And, um, and we prayed. There was such a sense of expectancy in that um, in that room as we prayed, that I sort of knew as we walked, you knew that was going to be answered. And sure enough, that, that was the point at which he turned the corner and, and, and started the recovery. Um, last story, which is not to do with me. If anyone read this book, Rhys Howells' Intercessor? Yes. Right. This is part, we talk about a powerful prayer. I read this a year ago. Um, this guy was amazing. He was Welsh, so Jews would, would recommend him. Um, amazing man of faith. Uh, but the, the most amazing thing was his prayer during the Second World War. And this book contains a testimony of he, he and well, a group of believers in a Bible college in Wales were praying throughout the Second war, World War for some of the key things that happened in that war. And they've got a record that they prayed some of the key mistakes Hitler made. They prayed for him to make them. They prayed for Dunkirk and the amazing calm weather when all the ships went out, you know, little boats went out and rescued the soldiers. And then they prayed, um, I've got here, that for the Battle of Britain... Um, They prayed for, um, apparently, a campaign in Africa, in Alexandria. I'm not a Second World War expert, which was key, that he would invade Russia because they knew he would fail, and particularly Stalingrad. Um, And they prayed for these things for a certain amount of time until they felt God had answered it. And then they, they wrote this all down, when we prayed and when they felt God had answered it. And then, sure enough, a few days later, what they prayed for happened. Now, we could all say, well, that's after the event. But military historians wrote, after that time, and there's a, a record of a military commentator saying these are the four key things that caused Hitler to lose the war. These four key things, and they prayed for every one of them, and then of course D-Day as well. They also prayed for, and it was amazing. They prayed beforehand. God had answered, and, and you know, in answer to his prayer, Hitler made blunders that caused him eventually to lose the war. That's the power of prayer we're talking about. That's enough for me for now. Trevor will now come up and carry
0: on. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Great. Now uh, this, the situation is that uh, Herod is looking at the, what's happening in the church, and uh, then he gets uh, he, he takes some action. What was the action he took? The first action he took. We've just read it. Sorry. Put Peter in. Now it, it, something happened before Peter was put in prison that delighted the Jews. What was that? He killed James. Now, I want us to put this in perspective. Peter gets out of prison, but as far as James is concerned, the war is over. As far as James's family, John was his brother, the the, the war was over. It was a really difficult one for them. They were going through a a difficult time. I'm sure they could rejoice that Peter was released from prison. But as far as he was concerned, the reality was that the church was in warfare. And we as a church are in warfare. And that's one of the things I want us to take out of this. Whether we like it or not, we are in warfare. And there were quite a few people in the last World War who didn't want to be involved. And, but one way or another, the war still carried on around them and it was still there. And as far as we're concerned, we look out at uh, the things happening. Some things are not so good. Some things are difficult. But we are in warfare and it puts it into p- perspective for us, the fact that uh, the enemy wants to Have a go at us. It says in Ephesians 6 and at the end of the passage, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. It's the end of the passage where it's talking about the armour. And often it refers to, and you do this, you do that, that's a plural you. It, reply, it's a, a, it applies to all of us. And the faith that we combine together is like the combining together of the shields of the Roman army, where they used to form what they called the tortoise, which was where all the shields joined together, and it was impregnable, and they could move forward towards the enemy and attack. So we need to see that we are in a warfare and it is a reality, so keep on praying. Secondly, as Neil has referred to, when they got together, they weren't half-hearted about it, but they prayed earnestly. Now, if you look through scriptures, you'll see quite a few references to how people prayed in different places. And we're going to look at a few of these because God seems to respond to earnest and fervent prayer. He responds to humility and he responds to brokenness. Now, that's not without exception because you can't say, right, we fulfilled this, we fulfilled that. So therefore, we'll get the answer. God is not a slot machine. You can't put in a coin and out comes your answer to your particular whim. But he does respond to our passion and our earnestness, our involvement, our really getting to grips with the issue. Let's have a look at a few things in Scripture that help us to see exactly that. In James 4 and verse 6 we see that James quotes what's in Proverbs 3.34. And he says this, but God gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. You want to receive the favour of God? There's the way, by humility. And then just in the next chapter on, in James 5, he talks about Uh, Elijah and Elijah was a man just like you and me and uh, had all all the same weaknesses we do he was fearful at times he had problems at, at various times but when he prayed earnestly that it would not rain for two and a half years that's from now until Christmas 2019 Now, that's a long time for it not to rain because he was praying. An ordinary man who prayed earnestly. God wants us to pray earnestly. 2 Kings 20 tells us the story of Hezekiah. And uh, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to see him and said, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you're going to die, you will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion, have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, The word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you from this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David and he got better, and he had 15 years. God did what he... he, God responded to the wholeheartedness of Hezekiah, even before the uh, prophet had had an opportunity to get across the courtyard and out. Psalm 51, verse 17, speaks into the situation where David had... uh, lost his son, the son of adultery by Bathsheba, and he was cut to the heart. And he says this, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, Lord, or you, God, will not despise. God loves it when we are wholehearted when we put everything into our relationship with him in fact in contrast if you look in uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 16 it says that if we are lukewarm he will spit us out of his mouth he wants us to be wholehearted earnest and really involved in our prayer. I'm just going to ask you to um, uh, listen for a moment uh, to what Will has to share. If Will could just come and join me. Um, uh, it's a testimony from this week. Come on, Will. Come and tell us what happened.
0: Try and keep it together. Go for it. Um, good morning. Um, a lot of you know, I was trying to get into care um, as a job, so I've been trying to do this since January, completed training courses, lost money through wage, which caused a lot of difficulties in our home life, and I turned up for work last Monday, put my uniform on, my lanyard, feeling very good that the door had opened, turned up, we've got no work for you. And I was like, what? i oh, we've got no work for you. I don't know why the lady took you on in the first place, but we have no work. So I was, great. So I left, quite upset, quite angry. Um, got in my car and I was driving away. And I just started to pray to God. And I just, Lord, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know what this is about. But... I need your help we can't go on like this I cannot take another week of no work this is going to seriously do us over and I just felt him say to me go to Romsey Garden Machinery you had an interview there you was offered a job this was months ago at the very beginning of all this go to Romsey Garden Machinery see what they say so I went I felt very led and I just laid it all out in front of them and I just said I really need a job so they said well go away let us talk about it so I went away less than an hour later my phone rang at home we'd like to give you a trial two months um, can you start tomorrow and I, and I said yes yeah. and I've learnt so much in One week, it's unreal. Um, And it just, yeah. And and God can move through prayer. (laughs) So, so, yeah. Thanks, (laughs) well.
2: Sorry that testimony is so old. That's four days. Isn't it brilliant to see? God's at work. He was full of um, just emotion over it. But directed that to prayer. And the result was, the god did a work that's really good what's our response to this then is it uh, an enthusiastic response or is it ah oh, trevor's finished now and then that's that's great we can get a, go and get a cup of tea <laughs> do you know i i was clearing out the loft with uh, elaine the other day um and you know, there's lots of old business stuff and things, you know, clearing the lot out, a couple of trips down to the tip. But in the midst of it, I found an old notebook from 2009 from a time I had been on a mission to Uganda. And just reading that through brought it all flooding back to me. I remember um, going to, to sleep at night around about 10, 10.30, and you could hear in the church a 100 yards over... You could hear the people praying and then waking up in the morning at around about five and hearing them praying in the church over the way. Do Do you know, in that week, 715 people became Christians. I went on another mission with him just recently and a few people got saved And there was just no prayer support, no sense of oneness, of unity amongst the leaders. The contrast was chalk and cheese. And I just want to encourage you that we have the opportunity here to be enthusiastic people for God, really wanting to see him move. And sometimes we're just going to have to believe that God's on the move. And we're not going to see a lot on the face of it, but he wants us still to be faithful. Let me just read this to you from uh, the Dirty Glory. Yes, well done. It's a wonderful story of the Hebridean revival, which happened about the time I was born Says this two women, the Smith sisters, both in their 80s, not particularly surprising people, just ordinary people meeting together to pray. And they were really stirred up by the fact that it was all very dull and things weren't happening in the church and the young people weren't coming to church. And so they started to pray, Lord, do something, please. And then one evening, one of the sisters had a vision of young people coming into the church. And she shared it with her sister and they prayed about it. And then they decided to call in the local minister. So he came in for his interview and... uh, heard what they had to say, to which they finished off saying, revival is coming, and then the minister said, what do you suggest I do? He asked a little helplessly. What should you do? They gasped. You should pray, man. And then these two octogenarian saints proposed a deal. If you will gather your elders and pray in the barn at the other end of the village at least two nights per week, they said, we will do the same here from 10 at night until 3 in the morning. And so a remarkable series of late night prayer meetings began in the village of Bervas on the Isle of Lewis in the year 1949 they persevered like this praying for five hours a night twice a week because they were convinced that God had spoken and they saw nothing happening and that when he gives a promise it's our job to pray into it into being there were no instant answers no further visions Certainly no teenagers miraculously turning up at church. But one night in the prayer, that one of the leaders got up, read Psalm 24, and was broken in repentance before the Lord. And he said after that, I must ask myself, is my heart pure? Are my hands clean? He lifted his head and emitted a strange cry then fell to his knees and crumpled to the floor. The barn was suddenly filled with the presence of God. It was a moment that would later be identified as the catalyst that let loose a power that shook the Hebrides. Do you want to be part of that in Romsey? I'm going to ask Neil to come up. We're going to pray.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I just felt, and Trevor and I both felt that this, you know, last week we all prayed individually for healing, and this week this was the time to pray together for something. Now, as far as I know, there's no one that we know in prison, is there, oh, that we should be praying for? But it might be good to ask: what are the big challenges facing us as Freedom Church in Romsey right now? What is this? Um, major focus of the year adventure if anyone saw the facebook with judith and i outside the King school minibus dressed up what is the main focus it's not just taking our year adventure magnets one of the main focuses of our year adventure is the adventure of trying to get a building for ourselves um don't know there's an email from sim recently that once again in the summer we can't use this hall because they're redecorating or something and we move to the sports hall and then one day we, we can't even use that so We'll manage, but uh, we do really feel the leadership have felt and the trustees have felt this is the year that we go for it. We've done this many times before, gone for buildings and never been successful. We got quite close um, and never been successful. Because naturally, naturally speaking, like naturally speaking, it was impossible for Peter to be released from that prison. Naturally speaking, in Romsey, it is impossible to find a building. There are no spare churches, That's very good. They're all full and occupied, which is excellent. all the land is going at ridiculous prices for houses. So we know this is a reality of it, that it's very, very difficult. The warehouses that might be available, they're such good money spinners that no one wants to sell them, you know, because they make so much money renting them out. So it is naturally a very big challenge, but nothing. We saw those scriptures, nothing is impossible for God. And uh, Sim said last week, I listened to his talk, he said, often we see prayer as the last resort. Um, uh, this, he's told the story of King Asa in Chronicles, they only sought the doctors. He did not seek God. You know, we go to all the natural things, you know, and, and of course we should do those. Um, but when all this has failed, we then resort to prayer. But why not start with prayer? I mean, we're some way into this year of adventure, nearly halfway through. But let's not wait till we've tried everything else first and think, oh, last resort, now we'll pray. Um, I really want us to pray this morning as a church, and Trevor and I did, I think to pray for a breakthrough in Romsey. This morning, and, and just let's pray for the building. So we'll we'll open, and then as people feel led, of we maybe we pray together. We'll see. Just allow God to minister to us this morning to pray for this, that we would get behind this vision. That this is the time we are impacting the community, and it is time. It's not about bricks and mortar. It's about having something that enables us to do the thing God wants us to do. And it's not just a meeting place on Sunday. Hopefully, all of you know that it's going to be used all during the week for all sorts of stuff. Um, And then after we pray, I think it would also be good for those who meet in connect groups to pray. Carry on praying in the connect groups for this. And also, if there's significant things facing people in your connect groups, that may not be appropriate to do that here this morning, to single out individuals, but in the connect groups is very appropriate. Don't be afraid to pray for big things, um, because we have a God for whom everything, nothing is impossible. Okay. So
2: I have this mic, which I can come round. If you want to put your hand up and say... uh no, I've got something I want to pray, then um, I'll come to you mm. and uh, we can pray and believe God. Mm. Why don't we stand and show we're, we're meaning business with God. Father, we come to you as the King of heaven, mm. the almighty God, who is fully able to do all sorts of things. And we come and declare your greatness, your ability, that there is no shortfall of your ability nothing is impossible with you we mm. declare it and mm. we come to you lord for the particular need we have at the moment but to see the, your name glorified in this town mm. and us to be a part of that yes lord we lord, pray for every church yes, here and, 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 and we pray for yeah. your glory to come yeah. in those churches and to be revealed mm. for the uh, uh, people around us lord for salvation to come in this uh, in this town in jesus name but we pray also, Lord, that you would release this which, that which is impossible for us in Jesus' name. Come, Lord, show us the way forward for this, we ask. Amen. Yes, Lord, and we
1: thank you that the, there are no empty churches in, in Romsey, that the buildings are full, Lord. But there's room for one. But there's 20, 10, 15, 20,000 people in this town, Lord. Most of them, as Sim always says, are not in church this morning. Lord, there is a need uh, in this in this town. And yet, you know, naturally speaking, it's impossible to find what we need, Lord. We just pray that there would be a breakthrough this morning. Lord, you would change something. Lord, you know what's going on and the possibilities that we're looking at as, le- as the leaders know. Lord, do something this morning, change something this morning that will be the beginning of, 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 of us finding a permanent home. Lord, you are the God <laughs> who could do anything is anything too hard for you? Nothing is too hard for you, Lord. As we agree together as a body that this is something we want you to do, Lord, and we believe it's your will. And We pray with faith, Lord, and with, with earnestness that this is what, this is the time, the time is now right for this to happen, Lord, and that, that things would start to move this year, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Lord, praise you, Jesus.
0: For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk.